0: Amen. So, in some weeks, we reserve the right to flip things around a little bit. So, this morning, we will uh, continue to sing and pray in response to God's word that I will share for the next few moments. We're going to be in uh, First Timothy chapter two together, in anticipation of you know this week being election. Uh, there being an election on Tuesday this week. Uh, months and months ago, as we sat down and laid out the plan for. Sundays for 2020. Um, We certainly weren't thinking about COVID at the time, but we were thinking about um, just, you know, how this will be on everyone's mind as we come to worship this morning. So this passage of scripture uh, came out of that thinking um, in 1 Timothy 2. As we sing, Great Are You, Lord, together, and And as we sing of the breath in our lungs being the very breath of our Lord, um, I just can't help but think. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned to you I had a close friend, Roger, who was on a was on a you know was having to receive oxygen uh, because of COVID. um, A young man, uh, but uh, very sick, and uh, he went home uh, not to be with the Lord, to be with his family. This week He got better. And I think of my buddy Roger and his, uh, just the testimony of his life. I've known him for years. He uh, has been a uh, little bit older than me, a mentor to me, uh, way back in college. And I know the testimony of his heart, his faith. I know his uh, uh, fervency in following and being formed by Jesus. And I can imagine during that time in the hospital, his testimony being that even though his breath was so labored, that it still was. Um, God's breath in his lungs. Um, And he was continuing to pour out his praise even in such a time. And that's really the thing, right, is that we worship, we praise, we recognize God's goodness in our lives in spite of our circumstances sometimes because we are not yet fully formed. The world is not yet as new as it will be. Uh, and, And that's really what we're talking about this morning as we dive into these first seven verses of 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we look at what the Word has to say to us. So here's what it says, beginning in verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority. So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, a, a testimony at the proper time. For I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. And a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's words. So we're going to talk about this for a few minutes. But this, this structure of this passage is actually going to define the, the, the entire next hour as we will um, pray together and sing together and, and and reflect our praise back to God together, we will share in the lord 's Supper together this morning if you didn 't grab um, a a cup with a wafer uh, all in one on your way in, uh, feel free to go do that um, at any point while we 're singing standing or just whenever this is a comfortable space, but they are located at four tables in the back of the room, and you just grab one off any of those tables um, anytime. We'll, we will share in the elements together at the uh, end of worship today. Now, these seven verses break down like this as I see it. Um, so, the first four verses, they focus our attention on the importance of praying for one another. Now, specifically, Paul encourages Timothy to pray for everyone. Did you catch that? Everyone. And then he gets more specific and says for kings and for others who are in positions of authority. So looking into the context of what may precipitate Paul to designate kings and authority figures there, I think is really important. And what we see is the specific desire in the text for Paul, Timothy, and All the apostles and all the Christians at such an early time in the church to be able to live quiet lives, tranquil lives, the text says. In other words, to be able to live at peace. First Christians were often persecuted just for being Christians, just for following Jesus. Can you imagine? You know, some Christians in our world can imagine that. They can by their own experience. But it's helpful for us because we are not likely in that boat here in the United States of America, not likely persecuted for our faith. It's helpful for us to imagine what this may have been like, the context that these words Paul is writing came out of, for us to imagine what it would be like to to pray for government officials, for authority figures, for leaders, to pray for them and their decisions to promote safety, to promote peace to promote even freedom of religion or in the early Christians case, just maybe just praying to be left alone to worship in their own way. Now, there was a very functional reason that Paul wrote these words, that he wanted people to be able to practice their faith so it could spread so that more people could come to know. Right there in verse four, Paul explains that God wants who? Everyone. Everyone to come to receive salvation and begin to follow and be formed by Jesus. And in verses 5 and 6, they speak specifically about just who our king is. It's Jesus. I suspect you know that this morning. And therein lies the, the rub. That is, I stand up here every week and for a lot of the time say things that you already know. But we need to be reminded, don't we? Paul wrote a lot of the same things over and over again as he wrote letters to the new Christians that he was getting to know and encouraging along the way. King Jesus, who is mediator. King Jesus, who is the link between sinful us and creator God. And it is because of Jesus that we can live in this world as citizens of another. Jesus' work is finished. Our salvation is secured. You know that this morning. And while we are hopeful in our various Uh, ways that our world will flourish and that elected leaders will make decisions that that lead to this flourishing we need to know this morning that there is no candidate or politician that stands for every single thing and in every single way that will lead to that flourishing no politician or no political party is able to make all things new or all things right only jesus can and jesus has Our trust must be in these promises. I think back to a few years ago, there are markers in our lives, moments where, aha moments, I think. Um, Maybe a few more for me than there should have been or others. I'm a little dense sometimes. But I think of my buddy Jeffrey, who lives in North Carolina now, and and, uh, he was in my small group years ago. I don't get to talk to him as much anymore which is to my detriment because he's such a wise dude. And we were talking about these things, about uh, governments and kingdoms and leaders and, and, and how close we could actually get in our lives today to what God has imagined for us. And, and, and Jeffrey just almost flippantly in the conversation was like, well, yeah, that's, none of that's going to happen until Jesus is, is on the throne fully. Until Jesus returns and makes all things new and then things are as they will be forevermore. But that's not happened yet. We know that. He said this so matter-of-factly it was an aha moment for me. And I realized then and there because of my buddy Jeffrey and his wisdom that we've got to live in these in-between times. In this already but not yet. We've got to live with the wisdom that we understand that, yeah, things aren't like they're supposed to be fully yet. And they're going to be someday, but they're just not yet. And that living in that in-between time requires nuance. It requires wisdom. And Jeffrey had it at the time, and I learned from him that day. We've got to live as if Jesus is making all things new. We have to live that way. Because when our trust is there in that already but not yet, We can be who Paul describes in verse 7, which is people who live out their faith. People who herald. I like that word, herald. It's not a word we use a whole lot, but it's a good one. People who herald, and we don't just herald with our mouths. I do a lot. We herald with how we live our lives. We herald with how we live our lives. People who live out our faith and testify to the truth of the gospel with all that we are. Our church has to be a church of heralds heralding the gospel, the good news about and the good news of Jesus. The gospel is just that. The gospel is all the stuff that Paul said about Jesus, and that is so important. But the gospel is also the stuff that Jesus said about Jesus, the stuff that Jesus said, the stuff that Jesus did. We looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John closely to get a first hand view of what Jesus was like, because that is the gospel as well. And then how Paul sought to synthesize it, to write about it, and to live it out, to herald it. He's doing what he's saying we must be doing here. So I ask you this morning, church, do you herald the good news of Jesus with your lives? Is that what we're going to be known for on Tuesday more than anything else? Until I was 10 years old, I lived in the parsonage of the church that my dad pastored. He pastored that same church for over 33 years. It was a wonderful place to grow up. I've likely told you about it. I don't think I've told you about the cemetery, though. The cemetery sat next to the church. The parsonage sat on the other side of the church. So my brothers and I had a cemetery to play in as we grew up. I'm not sure if we should have been, but we ran roughshod all around that cemetery all of our childhood. It was a place that we we played. I don't recall thinking a lot about death as a child. So I don't really remember thinking much about just playing in that cemetery. But I do remember seeing all the last names on the tombstones. And you like, and you, you recognize those last names because it's the same families that you're growing up with in the small little Tennessee town in which I grew up. Every name a life lived. Every life lived a story. We played a lot in that cemetery. And I think about it, and thinking about it makes me think of a story I heard about another cemetery. And a pastor who visited that cemetery, well, he was visiting the town, a specific town, not my town, another town. It was a preaching conference, and he was scheduled to preach several times during the time there. And he would take walks in between his times he was preaching, clear his head, to be with the Lord, think. And he came upon a cemetery. In this town, and he walked out in it, and he was noticing that in this particular cemetery, there were tomb, the, the the tombstones were um, one or two inches off the ground, and they were large concrete slabs. Maybe you've seen such, but what was interesting about them is they were the entire width and length, width and length of the plot itself. So these these tombstones took up the whole plot, and they were very symmetrical in how they were laid out because that's how you bury folks in their caskets. And there was one family that he noticed that had been there a long time. They had lost a lot of family members through the years and they were lined up so symmetrically, one after the other, one after the other until you came to the ninth or 10th one and it was laid crosswise. And it was laid in such a way that it actually took up three plots, terribly inefficient, why would they do that? Well, there happened to be another man in the cemetery that day and he walked over to the pastor who was looking at that crosswise burial plot and he said, hey, how you doing? I know what you're looking at. <laughs> you're looking at that tombstone, aren't you? The pastor said, yeah, I am. Why? What's the deal with it? Why do they have it laid that way? And the man said, well, I actually knew that man. He was a gentleman who lived be about 75 years old. He said, yeah, I knew him his whole life. I was in church with him his whole life. The pastor said, well, why did they bury him this way? Because that's the kind of guy he was, the fellow said. He was crossways with everybody and everything. Never pleased about anything. At home or at church, he would say, why is he doing that? Why'd they ask her to do that? Well, I wonder who decided to do that. He asked that kind of stuff all the time. The preacher said, well, that sure was an awful thing to do, to bury him that way. The man said, well, the family reasoned that the burial would be some sort of a witness. And if God wanted to straighten him out, God could do just that. But they saw to it that he left the earth just like he lived in it. As I stand here and think about all that we have on our plate to deal with these days, all the uncertainty, all the division around us, don't act like it's not there, it's there. We're not very nice with one another right now. I cannot help but think how much all of that junk challenges our role as heralds. Because if you're not heralding, if I'm not heralding what Paul is trying to Impart in us to herald here in this these seven verses. I, I mean, who is? Who is? I don't want to be a herald that complains all the time, that stirs up division. Our call is to wake up every morning and go about our lives, following and being formed by Jesus, speaking truth and promoting peace. I heard what I believe is some really good advice this week from a uh, writer whom I admire. Her name is Emily P. Freeman. Advice for us in this unique season in our lives. She was actually quoting a friend of hers named Shannon Martin, another writer. And here's what she said Hear it this morning. Be careful who you hate because it may be somebody you love. Be careful who you hate. It could be someone you love. You see, people who love one another, who offer space to understand one another, that's who we're called to be. turns out we're complicated, complex people. And our positions on things, the way we are thinking about things, they deserve to have the space for us to explain those things, to provide nuance. They they deserve room for nuance, not to mention we are not people who have everything figured out, nor will we anytime soon. And we are heralding something, the most important of somethings in the way that we are living our lives and people are watching us no matter how old you are. And there may be someone in your life, I suspect that there is, or someone's, who you are the only link for them to the church. Again, we're complex individuals and we need to act like it and we give, need to give one another space to act like it. So we must take note of what we are heralding and how we are heralding it and we pray We pray, Jesus, that you shine through us. The great preacher and teacher Fred Craddock once wrote, when I was in my late teens, I've I've probably quoted this to you before, and I probably will again. He said, when I was in my late teens, I wanted to be a preacher. In my late 20s, I wanted to be a really good preacher. And now that I'm older, I want more than anything else to be a Christian To live simply, to love generously, to speak truthfully, to serve faithfully, and then to leave everything else to God. I love that. And I would add to it this morning that we also be careful who we hate. Because it may just be someone we love. As we go through the next little while together, next half hour or so, we will sing some more. We will pray. We will hear God's word. And it will all be in an effort to build up one another and the heralding that we will go from here to do this week and in the weeks to come. Again, if you've yet to get the elements from the back of the room, make your way back to do that sometime in the next few minutes. But more than anything, seek to to be right where you are because Jesus will meet you there. Seek to allow space For the Holy Spirit to well up in your heart and mind in these next few moments. So that we can, as a result of meeting together, even in these trying times, be more of who God is calling us to be as we leave here today. Would you pray with me?